Communication done well is a fundamental enabler of alignment and in particular to purpose and, as I said, strategy and culture and just the broader impact that we have um, on society. Um, It's really, really critical. Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. Today, I'm joined by Zora Artis and Wayne Asplund. Zora is the CEO of Artis Advisory. She is an alignment strategist with almost three decades of experience with the government, private and not-for-profit sectors. She's held various leadership roles at the International Association of Business Communicators for several years and has won a number of global awards for excellence in communication and leadership. And I'm pleased to say that Zora spoke at the inaugural 2020 GovComs Festival. Zora today is joined by Wayne Asplund, who is the principal at the Content Factory. Wayne has more than 15 years of experience in corporate leadership and internal communications. He has been a sessional lecturer at Deakin University and, like Zora, has held leadership roles at the IABC. Wayne and Zora join me today to discuss their new research that explores strategic alignment from a communications perspective. Their research called on conversations with 27 senior communication leaders from across the globe. The latest study, The Road to Alignment, is accessible on the GovComs Institute website. And I'm pleased to say they join me now from Melbourne, Australia. So, Zora, hello to you. Hello, David. Thank you for having me. And Wayne, welcome to you. So listen, Wayne, while I've got you, I might start with you just in terms of this particular paper. Um, It's a follow-up from the 2018 research that you did uh, that was called Strategic Alignment. What was the the, um, motivation uh, or what did you see as the need to continue to work down and understand more about this uh, important topic of alignment in organisations? So there were probably a couple of areas. Uh, The first one was that in the wake of COVID, there's a lot of companies out there right now revising their strategies and transformation plans. And that means that there is a very high need for alignment, uh, which always comes after a new strategy or transformation plan is put in place. Now, put that together with the fact that the uh, the way we engage people has really changed quite a lot, and that's created a lot of um, opportunities and challenges. What we wanted to show was how the state of alignment has changed given those two things, the, big, the higher demand and the new way of communicating. And at the same time, we wanted to see uh, what, uh, whether the focus on alignment had changed in the two years since we did the paper. Okay, so maybe just for for um, you know from a foundation uh, point of view for this conversation, how would you define alignment and why is it important? 
Um, well, it's the, the short answer is it's all about unity. It's it's alignment is about ensuring that all of your people are on the same page, that they're working together, they're doing the right things, they're moving in the same direction, the right direction, and they're having shared meaning. So it's really, if you think about it, it's the definition of a team. Everyone's working together. Uh, and no matter what you try and do in an organisation, uh, you will never do it as well if your people aren't aligned. And then in terms of that particular alignment, how how has it changed? What did you find um, in terms of COVID and, and the ways that we now communicate and the changes there? What are some of the challenges around alignment? It's interesting when we, when we were talking to the uh, various uh, strategic and senior communication leaders around the world, um, we found that those that were actually already had um, the right principles in place um, were quite clear on their purpose, uh, their direction, um, their values, um, mindset had the right structures in place, were really well positioned. Uh, through COVID, uh, not just to uh, survive through COVID, but also to thrive through COVID. So they had the key elements there. So when we were looking at across the board, are we more aligned as organisations? The answer is it depends. So some were and some weren't. So there were quite a number that had roadblocks in place um, to alignment, so they were misaligned. Uh, the key ones that we thought were interesting in that space were organisational capability um, structures and um, the architecture in the organisation, the way it's actually organised, uh, the way the systems work, the way um, the the knowledge and the mindset um, works all together. Uh, they might have also had an ill-defined purpose and value, so there was um, a lack of cohesion around that. Uh, a lot of them also um, had different sort of experiences because of the remote uh, working. So when people are working remotely, it's not as easy to uh, to align uh, because you have to look for new ways of actually doing that. Uh, so that posed additional challenges uh, and there was a lot of um, on-screen fatigue as well uh, that came into place. Um The other thing that I thought was really interesting is there's roadblocks that come to mind, which is where you might find organisations that have got the best intentions but aren't capable of alignment. And they're not capable because they don't have those capabilities set up that would support the implementation of the strategy or being able to deliver on the purpose that they actually have. So they don't have what it takes to be really good at what they should be doing. And um, so, so would, it, would, it, would it be fair to say, though, that your research has found that you cannot have high performance without alignment, that really Correct. one does not follow the other? If you don't have one, you cannot have the other. Yeah. the yeah. You, you really aligned organisations, those that are aligned, um, outperform organisations that aren't. So... Alignment does equal performance and misalignment equals risk. Yeah. So that can be presented in so many different ways. We uh, did a little bit of secondary or sort of um, desktop research after our initial paper where we tried to look uh, look for um, research that pointed to 
whether alignment was important to all the different things that a company does, like agility and collaboration. And what we found kind of astounded us that if you look at a lot of the research that's around, that requirement to align around something is almost like the first step in everything. Yeah, I, I, it, it strikes me that it, it's unusual I, or I, I find it a little unusual that people, at least at some level, haven't gone through the, the definitions of you know who they are, what they stand for, what their purpose is, what their objectives are, what values are, what values the, the organisations are going to hold, what behaviours are people going to be held accountable for. So would it be fair to say that in your conversations with people that how many of them have gone down this path or how many of them have just seen that as, I don't know, um, a frolic that, that is really not necessarily important? Zora, I'll put that to you. Well, if you, if you go back to our um, 2018 study, that's when we actually were able to put a number against it. And a lot of, um, a lot of the people that were involved in that, and there were over 220-odd from all over the world, uh, basically the majority of them thought that strategic alignment was important, yet only 13% only did it really, really well. Wow. Which is a massive gap. There are a lot that did elements of it, but a lot of them didn't do it well. Um, so there's a huge opportunity to actually step up. And a lot of it related to the fact that even though people knew it was important, they just didn't know how to go about it or they weren't committed to it. And they weren't committed at the executive leadership level or as um, communication professionals. Wow. So is, is it important then or does, does alignment sort of um, live or die by the level of executive buy-in? So it, would it be fair to say that unless you have uh, an executive leadership team that believes in the importance of alignment that really you can't achieve successful alignment without it? Uh, yes, is the short answer to that. The, you need the uh, CEO and the executive team to be really strongly uh, advocating whatever it is the project um, you're working on, but they also need to be advocating this need that everyone must align, and it does take work. And finally, you need the modelling behaviours. So there really has to be this emphasis from the leadership in order to drive it through the company. It's very, very difficult if you don't. Mm. Okay, so you do need the support. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm currently working with an organisation right now, and it's it's looking. The executive is the one that's actually leading leading the charge. So you've got a board, the executive, and then the rest of them, and they all know they have a vision, purpose, strategy, but it needs to be revisited so it actually means something to the organisation. If it doesn't mean anything, then you can't align back to it. And is it and is it because of COVID that they are rethinking the way that they go about their their strategy and their business, or is it just because they it needed to be updated anyway? It needed to be updated. It was the next step in for transformation of the business and new executives as well. So it's a new new mindset. Okay, mindset's really critical. So, in terms of the how, Zora, in an earlier answer, you you, you sort of stepped through. You know the. You know, that notion of principles, purpose, you know, direction, mindset. But in your paper, you know, the road to alignment you've defined as in four steps is one vision, one story, one team, 
and one voice. Could you yes. step me through each of those um, steps on on the on the road to alignment, and just describe what best practice looks like, and how can you then get people to buy in um, to this notion of one vision, one story, one team, and one voice? Sure thing. Uh, Wayne and I developed this methodology or this approach uh, after we did our um, first study in 2018 and we did some further work on it. So we came up with this as, as an approach that we think works well and is robust from a, for communication uh, professionals to take on board for alignment. There are other approaches you can do, but we think this one works quite well. And it's simple um, in the process. So one vision is all about um, gaining that executive support and setting up setting yourselves up for success. So there's a number of steps within that. And the first piece is around measuring alignment, working out what is that, what is your current current state of alignment? Do you actually know what the gaps are? Do you, can you identify those? Uh, the next part after that is to actually build that business case for alignment. So you might actually need to create a case to ensure that everyone in, in the, the executive and, and the board are on board basically to actually undergo this process because you really need to have them as your number one advocates to make sure that they're fully aligned on what the organisation needs to do, uh, the need for alignment and the way they're going to go about it align that executive team and then build the team that you actually need. So you need to create that team, um, whether it's combining strategy, planning, comms, people in culture, operations, marketing, and all of them together. When it comes to the one story piece, that's around creating that right narrative. So it's ultimately creating something that's simple and credible and can be quite inspiring to people. So do they get the story so they need to be able to collectively understand that story? So that's around the purpose and the strategy and the need for change. Uh, buying the story so that it makes sense to them and it resonates for them. Um, sharing the story so that they are able to and also want to talk about and share it in, in their own way. And ultimately living that story, as Wayne said, those behaviours, you know, what are those things that underpin um, their actions and the decision-making? And then you have to think about how does that, how does the organisation talk about itself, whether it's its purpose, its values and culture and strategy. So looking at, like I'm thinking about the, the project I'm working on now, what's already embedded and what works for them and what doesn't work for them. So you can assess where, what space you have to actually um, rework things and reframe. Uh, then you also need to think about how do you put that together in something that's uh, simple visually that people can understand. So like a one-pager that is a, a simple um, way to show it to people, to talk people through, through it, um, to show them where you're going and how you're going to get there and build that uh, the narrative around it. Uh, then there's the one team piece, which um, you mentioned, and that's around building alignment across the organisation. So it's like how we're going to be communicating that story everywhere, whether it's uh, through um, the comms materials, through the language, through the behaviours in the meetings, how we're telling those stories. And most importantly, um, and probably the hardest is that um, middle manager or the team leader level, we need to enable them to be able to communicate. So 
they need to be able to communicate the story, own it, they need to be able to contextualise it so they can share that with their own with their own teams because teams um, can be misaligned within an organisation. So there's a lot of work that can be done within teams itself and then ultimately going back to the one story, it's about that comms 101, so making sure that all your comms material, whether it's internal and external, is actually supports it and builds around that story as well. Wayne, did you want to add anything to that? Uh, I might add a couple of things. Um, firstly, about the story, and uh, as you said, Zora, the simplicity is so important. Um, when we were talking before about uh, vision and values and, and purpose, one of the things a lot of companies run into is they've got vision, value, purpose, culture, uh, employee value proposition, customer value proposition, and, and the list goes on. So what you end up with is these this sort of book of statements, which is so long that people just can't make sense of it. And so you've got to actually try and simplify down to just telling that basic story of it in the case of a strategy of who you are, when you're going, how you get there. And you can have all, all the amount of detail under that. But at the top, it's that really simple story that uh, people can really wrap their arms around. They can understand. Uh, the comment that I wanted to add about one team was that about this role of middle managers, and they're so important in this. There's a lot of discussion that goes on in the in the comms world about the cascade, and this is about the communication of um, of the uh, strategy or whatever the plan is down through the teams. And one of the things that's important here is that it isn't simply a matter of sitting down with your team and saying, hey, the leadership has just communicated this new strategy, here it is. Um, it's it's more about actually contextualising that strategy to the team and saying, well, you know, you've got to have this conversation about, okay, well, what does that mean for us? And then eventually, what does that mean on an individual basis for the work that you're doing as a person? People have got to be able to see themselves in that strategy and that can only happen in discussions with their leaders. I just thought I'd add those two points in. Okay, but Wayne, that's a that's an interesting point because we do know ineffective internal communication that it's that supervisor, team leader role who has the most influence on on people. What's the yes. best way for communicators to work with those team leaders, given that they probably don't have day to day contact with them? But how can communicators work with those team leaders to give them the skill and the confidence to be able to translate? that overarching one story in a way, as you mentioned, is contextualised and relevant to people so that they can see themselves in the story? What a lot of companies do is they do set up um, training programs to take leaders through this uh, and how it's done. Uh, you can provide one-to-one, one-on-one um, support where it's needed. Uh, what we've been doing a bit of is kind of in-program support so that if, when we're running an alignment program across a team or an organisation, as part of that program, program, we're saying, right, at this point, you should tr try and do this and go through these steps. Uh, so the, predominantly through training. Okay. And Zora, to you, earlier you were saying that in terms of that that early piece where, you, where you're trying to understand the vision that you're going to ultimately land on, that there's 
some work to be done to understand just exactly uh, how aligned or misaligned an organisation might be. And you said that you uh, that that you can measure alignment. So, what are some of the measures that you have that can give you an indication of uh, either good or or poor alignment? Well, there's there's a there's a number of uh, tools you can follow. I've uh, it. I've I've done a piece of work um, just recently uh, through Oxford University where um, I, I did um, a program on strategic alignment, which was really interesting, and they had a particular model on on how to measure it. So there is a there's a there's a simple scale that you can go through to work out where where you're positioned um, from an organisational perspective in terms of uh, purpose and vision and then the rest of the elements of what they would call your um, organisational value chain or enterprise value chain. The other piece that I find really useful is is another tool um, which is called Mirror Mirror, which where you look at, say, for example, you would look at your executive team and they would complete this diagnostic and it basically you can work out from that diagnostic how aligned um, the people in that team are at the executive, which obviously is critical from a vision perspective, to the vision, to the purpose, to the values, strategy, goals, to each other. And you can do that across uh, various teams in the organisation and it highlights where your gaps are um, and it actually gives you clear measures and then you can have a discussion about it and what's important what's missing. I did that with an organisation, um, a global organisation that had teams in uh, the Middle East, Australia and North America, and they all thought they were, they're, you know, high performers and they all thought they were really well aligned until they actually did this process. And then, you know, we went through that and actually they they worked out where their gaps are and that they needed to actually get back together and and work out what is their vision that they actually agreed on and, you know, their strategic direction and all that sort of thing. So it prompted them to take that on board. It gave them, uh, it opened their eyes up to what was actually missing, which they didn't realise. So you'd have the known knowns and the known unknowns, those sorts of things, when you're trying to identify what your gaps are from an alignment perspective. Um, and the process that Wayne and I undertook in doing our original study is also another way that you can um, measure that. It just shows you where, where your um, gaps are as well. One, one interesting, if I could just add there, one interesting thing you can do is uh, have a look at your employee engagement surveys if you do one. Uh, pretty much everyone I've ever looked at shows the same pattern, which is if you look at a question like, I understand the strategy of the company, you'll find that the scores are very high for the executive team, uh, close to very high for the senior leadership team, and then below the senior leadership team, it drops significantly. So you can actually look at that, and that's pointing to the fact that you've got an alignment issue. Mm. But even with that, like do in, do in some of these tasks, for example, because I, I thought about this the other day with a, a, a client I was working with, um, and it wasn't so much a lack of alignment, but it was, I, I almost felt like asking them to say, you know, can you write down the mission of the organisation? And I was pretty confident <laughs> that I would have got, you know, seven different versions, you know, not sort of wildly, con- wildly um, convergent, but uh, d- divergent, but 
they would have been different because I, I'm not sure that they, well, this particular group was so focused on it. So in terms of that, how important is it that the language is consistent and that, you know, an executive leadership team, when someone is asked that point, say, around a, a mission or a vision, that they be able to be con- entirely consistent with each other about how they express that? It's very important uh, to the point where often when I'm designing one pages, I don't just sort of go vision, um, you know, strategy, purpose. I'll actually put in the little connecting pieces and say, this is our purpose. We will achieve this by, etc. So that everyone, it, it's actually telling people how to tell the story because if you just put the blocks on a page, uh, then everyone will, will interpret it a slightly different way and the story ends up getting changed. And one of, the, one of the challenges is that once the story changes a little bit, it's going to change a lot over time. Mm. And Zora, is that, is that your experience, that there needs to be consistency and not I just from it, the executive but from throughout the organisation so uh, organisations learn to tell the, the story not only to themselves but to other people who engage with them about who yeah, they are, exactly. what they stand for and what they're trying to achieve. I think it's really important because it, it reflect, also reflects the brand as well. So, you know, the brand of the organisation that you're, you're um, working with. So the language is really, really important in, term, in terms of that, um, how people communicate and the words that they're using and the way um, they're also behaving and the way they tell those stories. Storytelling is a critical um, skill to have within an organisation and particularly at as um, people managers in terms of one way of engaging with with not just your people within the business but also um, stakeholders uh, and your your customers and the community as well. So when I, I think about your purpose, vision, mission, I think of it you could almost do, it's almost like you look at the Simon Sinek concentric circles, you know, your purpose is, is that why in the centre and the purpose of an organisation doesn't change per se, your articulation of it can change. Your purpose still needs to be pretty much the same or you're a different organisation. Then, you know, you're looking at uh, what you want to be, the aspirational piece, which is the vision and the mission is how you're going to get, is how you get there. So, you know, those three need to work together and then you'll have your, you know, your strategic um, pillars or, or whatever below that or the goals that you're wanting to achieve. Hmm. So, listen, I'm interested um, just really as a, a concluding question to both of you, as sort of senior professionals who've been in the strategic communication business um, a while, um, both in the private and the public sector and the not-for-profit sector, what's your observation of um, the perhaps the the relative importance of communication um, as we continue through dealing with the challenges of COVID. Have the lights gone on at the senior executive level for them to understand that it's a, a critical um, enabling function that, that is required to drive alignment and therefore to drive performance? Has it, has it changed? Do you think that the communication function is now looked upon as, as more important than perhaps it was prior to, to the pandemic? I think it, I think it certainly um, has been 
really front and centre throughout the, the pandemic. So communication done well is a fundamental enabler of alignment and in particular to the purpose and, as I said, strategy and culture and just the broader impact that we have um, on society. Um, it's really, really critical. The From a um, comms perspective, in the last sort of 12 months, I've noticed that uh, alignment's almost becoming like the new black um, it, it's, it, it's, it's the word that's being bandied about a lot. Um, and I, I ran some masterclasses with some executives late last year, uh, globally and, you know, alignment was, was one of their biggest issues, uh, you know, it didn't matter what size the organisation, it ranged from, you know, a, a few hundred to 150,000 people. It was, you know, alignment is really critical. And the thing about it is that they all know it's important. They all want to do it. They just don't know how to do it or, mm. where, to, or where to start. But so it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice there. word though, isn't it? Alignment is a really simple, clear, and it, it, it denotes this sense of order and direction um, in pursuit of a of something you know that's elsewhere. You know, you know what I mean. It's, it, it's well, so yeah. I think that's I mean, why it's, may, maybe it's so powerful. It's so it's so strong. It's it's one way that as and I know Wayne will agree and he can add to this. Uh, it is it's such an amazing opportunity for comms people working with with other other functions, you know, within the organisation. So, you know, like one of my pet things within comms in government and particularly through COVID was aligning functions so they can work better together, you know, so the behavioural insights with com uh, community engagement and stakeholder engagement, you know, and policy, et cetera, just working that really well together. But when you look at our opportunity, um, Ahead, we've got amazing opportunity to actually step up, uh, re reflect on what we're doing, assess what we're doing, and reposition ourselves. So don't waste the opportunity that's been afforded to us, because comms really can make a huge difference to the way organisations work. We can unlock the value in our organisations not by doing much more than than just by being better at what we do, by connecting those dots in ways that people haven't necessarily thought of, unlocking the value in our people um, by connecting them back to why they're doing what they're doing, where they need to go and how they're actually going to get there. So you can drive better performance um, in organisations and have greater impact. I, I couldn't agree more with that. The uh, Post-COVID, uh, com, there was a lot of focus on comms and what the... Uh, comms function was able to achieve with getting people to work remotely and that was great so there's much more attention on comms uh but the halo that we we have above our heads will fade over time uh we need to keep lifting the bar and alignment is a terrific way to do this because if you go back to what we were saying earlier that there's a lot of companies rolling out new strategies and transformation plans now the job is to align people to those plans and so that's the opportunity for us to really start to have an impact on how an organization actually performs hmm. 
So listen, where can people get access? I know it is sitting up on the Govcoms Institute uh, website, so thank you very much for that. But where else can people uh, find out a little bit more about alignment and how can how they perhaps be in contact with you if they want to have further conversations about how they introduce alignment into their organisations and indeed improve and, and grow their own skills in being able to deliver alignment? Wayne, do you want to go first? Uh, well, the paper um, is uh, – we, we both we both have uh, websites. My, on my website, you'll find the original paper, uh, so the original study we did two years ago. Um, that's at thecontentfactory.com.au. Uh, and uh, I'm always, it's, this is a topic I'm always happy to talk to people about. Um, Zora? Um, yeah, I've created a page on my website, which is artistsadvisory.com. There's a resources page where you will find um, this paper and other content that relates to it um, and to alignment. And you can always reach out via LinkedIn, Zora Artists, or um, on Twitter, and I'm always happy to have a conversation or to talk uh, talk more about any any particular aspect of alignment. Yes, and I can back that up. I'm very pleased to have got to know Zora during uh, one of those very uh, simple LinkedIn exchanges where Zora reached out and said, hey, let's have a chat. And we've uh, been having many chats uh, since that time. And Zora was a great driver and supporter of the GovComs Festival, which was such a great success last year. And thanks again, Zora, for your uh, great support in that. And Wayne, to you, congratulations on all your success and for really, you know, starting us down this path, I think, about alignment and really starting to think about it as a communication um, uh, function and capability that we all need to, to learn. And I think it's a, it is a role that we can take and it is that, you know, that that, that, that essential role that communications or people have to have to be curious, to be able to join up organisations, to go out and unlock that value that um, um, Wayne was talking about and, and Zora was talking about there, to connect the dots. So I think there's so much in the paper. I have read both of the papers and I think there's great value. And so I commend the audience. Uh, grab a hold of those at either thecontentfactory.com.au or at uh, Artists Advisory. So, Zora, Artists, thank you so much for joining us on the Gov GovComs podcast. Thanks, David. It's a pleasure. And, Wayne, to you, thank you for joining us today. Uh, a great conversation. And thanks, David, and thanks for everyone who's listening. And, yes, thanks to you, the audience, for coming back once again. Um, the audience continues to grow, which is fantastic, and growing around the world. So tell your friends, uh, leave us a rating or a review at your favourite podcast uh, app. It certainly helps the show to be discovered. And, uh, you know, to, to, to join, I think, a, it's, it's such a critically important time for governments around the world as they become more involved in people's lives as a result of COVID, and that's going to last for many many, many years to come. And the communications people in those organisations have a huge responsibility. So growing the community, learning from each other, learning from people like Zora and Wayne is so important that we all can get just a little bit better at the work that we do. Such important work as we continue to deal with the, the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. But anyway, thanks for coming back once again. And I'll be back at the same time in two weeks with the next episode of the GovComs podcast. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.